Amen. Such an honor to be here tonight. And uh, take your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We are going through five missions actions that you can see here in these two chapters. And uh, we're putting all these things together. Hopefully by the end of the week, you'll see it all come together. And I've got uh, five messages, or uh, four messages if you count uh, Sunday morning. And then uh, what we're giving on uh, tonight, tomorrow night, and Wednesday night. And, uh, and, and if you want to just uh, extend it to Thursday night and Friday night, I've got more. I'm joking. Uh, more, more actions to give you. But uh, no, uh, in Second Corinthians 8, it's a uh, passage that we often use to illustrate this concept of faith, promise, missions, giving. And uh, yesterday morning, we talked about the fact that uh, Paul was uh, encouraging and, and challenging the church at Corinth. Uh, using the example of churches at Macedonia, that while in a great trial of affliction, while in deep poverty, they first gave themselves to the Lord. And that's where we see the action of surrendering. Uh, and surrendering is, I, I think that's, that's the power of missions. The power of missions is not in a great uh, missionary, it's not in a great work, it is in surrendering to a great God and uh, allowing him to work in our lives and just jumping into what he is doing. Uh, then I want us to see in Second Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 9, in uh, verse 6, the Bible says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, often we, uh, we uh, focus on that last phrase of God loving a cheerful giver, but I want us to focus on the action here of purposing in our hearts. Uh, once we surrender Render ourselves to the Lord, we need to purpose in our hearts. This thing of, of uh, missions and missions giving and missions involvement and praying, it should be done with a purpose. It is not just God bless all the missionaries. It is not just, well, I've got a penny a week I can give. Uh, it is actually having a purpose in determining that missions is going to make a difference in our lives, in our families, uh, in, in how we pray, in how we work, and how we give. Uh, we can all be involved in this thing of missions. And uh, it's a purpose and it begins with the heart. Now, uh, to drive this home, let's take our Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35. Now, how in the world are we going to find missions in the Old Testament? Well, we're going to look at the heart. Uh, the Bible talks about purposing in our hearts. And so I want to look at uh, uh, how we can do that and, and, and how the Bible illustrates that. In Exodus chapter 35, Exodus 35, uh, we see here at the beginning of the chapter, uh, to bring into the context of what we're reading here, at the beginning of the chapter, Moses gives a list of things that are still needed for the furnishing of the tabernacle. The tabernacle uh, was this tent of meeting that the uh, that the Israelites had. Uh, it would be a, a place where uh, the Ark of the Covenant 
would be held. It would be a place for worship and sacrifice. And it would literally welcome in the presence of God. But there were some things that were needed uh, in this tabernacle to complete the furnishing of it. And so at the beginning of Exodus chapter 35, Moses gives a list of these things. And where we're going to pick up this story is in verse number 20, where the, the, we see the reaction of the Israelites to what Moses had asked for them to do. And so we see in verse number 20, And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. Verse 29, the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work, which the Lord had been had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. Now, what we just passed over uh, between verses 21 and verses 29 is a list of all the things that the children of Israel brought. And the list is pretty astounding. They brought bracelets, earrings, rings, tablets, Samsung, Android, you know, uh, all jewels of gold, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, uh, goat's hairs, red skins of rams, uh, badger skins. They brought silver and brass. They brought different types of wood. They brought onyx stones, stones to be set for the ephod and the breastplate. Uh, stone, uh, excuse me, spice, oil for the light, anointing, uh, anointing oil, and sweet incense. I could just imagine uh, at that time seeing the children of Israel going from their dwelling places and bringing things for the tabernacle. And I mean, just just loads of items and cloth and wood and and, and stones and and uh, now in in Nigeria, if. A lady, especially a lady, has a load of things to carry. They bundle it up, they put it on a basket, and they carry it on their head. It's one of the first things that any guest preacher that we have come out. We've had, uh, we've hosted 60 different American visitors while we've been in Nigeria. Everybody's come back alive. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, we'll be glad to host any of you. Amen. Uh, but, uh, uh, we, we, we've, and we've hosted several visitors multiple times. One of the first things they notice is how the ladies will carry things on their head. And it's amazing things that they will put on their head. I mean, I've seen ladies cut down half a tree and pile it up on their head and carry it to their house so that they can have wood to burn for cooking or for uh, whatever else that they're doing uh, with, with, with fire. And uh, who knows, maybe the Israelites were doing the same thing. But uh, uh, I remember when we first got to the field, we worked with a, a veteran missionary and uh, uh, their family had a lady that would help uh, the, the missionary wife in the home. Her name was Blessing. And uh, Blessing, everyone uh, pretty often would go out and fetch water because uh, they didn't have any running water. They had difficulty getting water into the house. And so sometimes she'd have to leave the compound and go fetch water. One time I got kind of curious about where she was going. And so I followed her out. And uh, followed her out where she was fetching. She took a 50-liter container and filled that thing up. 50 liters is uh, 13 gallons. 13-gallon container. Fills it up to the brim. Picks it up and puts it on her head. Steadies herself and walks to the house. 
I made a note that day never to make that woman angry. Amen. She could take me out. <laughs> uh, but uh, and, uh, maybe, hey, uh, maybe the Israelites were carrying things on their head. I, I don't know. But if you were to ask one of those uh, Jews that day, uh, what is it that you're doing? They could easily answer, well, we're just responding to what Moses told us to do. To do. But uh, what if you ask them why? Why are you doing this? What is it that's inspiring you? I mean... What if I ask you that tonight? Why are you here? Why are you faithful? Why do you serve God? Well, I think the answer here is in verse number 29. It's, it's pretty wonderful here where the Bible says, The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing. I could see one of those Israelites clutching at their chest. And saying, it's my heart. My heart is making me willing. Well, I want that kind of heart tonight. I want the kind of heart that makes me willing to serve God. I want the kind of heart that forces me to do right. I want the kind of heart that when I'm uh, at a crossroads of whether to go the way of the world or whether to follow God, I want the kind of heart that compels me to go and follow God. We can have that kind of heart, and we can see a description of the type of heart that these Israelites had right here in the Scripture. First of all, we see in verse 21, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for the holy garments. The first thing we see is the Israelites had a stirred up heart. I mean, they heard what Moses said, and something within them just began to stir within them, and they responded, and they decided, we're going to get this accomplished. They had stirred up hearts. I believe they just got excited about the work of the Lord. I mean, uh, they, they, <laughs> look, let, let's, let's, let's get one thing straight here. This wasn't a revival meeting. This wasn't a missions conference. This wasn't with a guest speaker. This wasn't with a pulpiteer. Moses was not who you would flock to hear preach. Amen. Uh, he even complained that he was slow of speech. He complained that he, he could not address the Israelites. This was not a camp meeting. Uh, this was simply a list of things to do, a list of things to bring, and something stirred within the hearts of the Israelites, and they responded, and they did it. They got stirred up about the things of God. It's about time we got stirred up about the things of God. Amen. It ought to, it ought to excite us when somebody gets saved. It ought to excite us when the baptismal waters are stirred. It ought to excite us to hear about people going to other lands and other nations and, 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 and uh, winning people to Christ and planting churches and, and seeing people saved and, and, and seeing lives change. Uh, it ought to excite you. I mean, hey, I was stirred up to see an 89-year-old that could still preach a full sermon. Well, amen. I just, I was sitting on the, I don't know if you were doing this, but there was a couple of times where he started telling a story and then he'd hit another illustration 
And I started getting nervous. I was like, I wonder if he's going to go back to that story. And he remembered it every time. I mean, I went away from that saying, I hope I'm preaching like that and telling stories like that when I'm 89. Because there's times I start telling a story at 44 and I lose my spot and I don't get back to the illustration. Amen. And I remember later on that night, man, I never finished that story. (laughs) That excited me. Amen. I hope I'm still preaching like that at 89. That was wonderful. But we ought to just get excited about the works of the Lord. You say, well, I just don't. That's not how I respond in church. You get excited about something. Something stirs you up in this life. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's March Madness. Don't worry, your bracket's not going to change tonight. Amen. Uh, <laughs> I had, had a, had a uh, well, I was with a, a British family, and they were asking me, what is March Madness? And I was trying to explain it to them. They said, that sounds really dumb. But, uh, but the, 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 I don't know. Maybe it's the, Maybe it's the football season. Maybe it's hunting season. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's politics. We can get stirred up about politics, can't we? We just went through uh, presidential and gubernatorial elections in Nigeria, and people got stirred up. And uh, we've got about, uh, we had four uh, excuse me, three different major parties that had presidential candidates. And then uh, I think there were about six or seven different parties that had uh, governors elected. And people were stirred up about politics. And we can get stirred up about politics, can't we? Uh, in, in Nigeria, we get stirred up about football. Uh, people that don't know what I'm talking about, that's soccer here. I know. But in the rest of the world, where it's religion, it's football. And I mean, I, now I played, I played soccer <laughs> recreationally for about eight years. I know the rules and, and, and I can, I can follow the game. But to me, more entertaining than the soccer match is watching Nigerians watch a football match. Because I mean, they get into it. And I mean, you'll see them, you'll see them seated and, and, and watching the game and they'll get more on the edge of their seat, more on the edge of their seat and they'll go, oh, 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 oh. and nothing happened. No goal was scored. The ball went out of bounds and they're shouting. They get stirred up, right? Now, I'm not expecting you to stand up and shout and wave your Bible and, and, and clap your hands or anything like that. But at least you could smile while you're in church. Well, maybe not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, we get stirred up about plenty of things, don't we? Do we get stirred up about the right things? I was with a pastor once and uh, he was... He took me out to eat after the service, and while we were going to the restaurant, he was explaining to me about the difference in our preaching styles. He said, "He said, look, I just, I just don't get excited like you do. Uh, now, when I'm in Nigeria, uh, our people say that I change colors when I preach. Amen. Because I go from, because I turn red. 
<laughs> I get excited when I preach. They like to, they like to see me get embarrassed. <laughs> when I turn red, they just, they start staring at me because, well, and, and uh, they say, Pastor, you, you change colors today when you preach. And, and, uh, but uh, the, the thing is, he was trying to tell me that, uh, he, he didn't get excited. And I don't really care about preaching styles or anything like that. But while he's explaining this to me, Someone pulled out in front of him, cut him off. Man, he hit the dashboard, and he started pointing at him, and his face got red, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he changed the subject. Amen. Because he knew he was getting stirred up. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's driving. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's hunting. Maybe it's whatever it is, politics. But it's time we get stirred up about the things of God. And it doesn't have to be in reaction to a missions conference. For these Israelites, they got stirred up about something as simple as bringing items for the furnishing of the tabernacle. Hmm? It doesn't have to be the next special meeting. It doesn't have to be during a conference. In this case, I believe we see the Israelites stirring up themselves. In fact, you can see the opposite of this uh, in Isaiah's day, uh, towards the end of Isaiah, one of the darkest times in Israel's history. Isaiah takes an inventory of the whole country. I believe it's uh, chapter 64 and verse 6, and he says, There is none that stirreth himself. At that time, there was nobody that could stir himself up to do right. And this, this is a, hey, this is an exceptional time in Israel where they're actually responding and doing right and following the Lord. In, in Israel's history, boy, you see a roller coaster of, if they had a great king, they had revival. If they had a strong prophet, they followed the Lord. But if they had a weak king or a lazy judge or a false prophet, they went right back into apostasy, right back to their false gods, right back to their idols. God was looking for a people that could stir up themselves, stir their own hearts to do right. He's looking for a people today that can do that, to stir up themselves. We need to have hearts that are stirred up for the right thing. Let's go further and see a description of the heart that the Israelites had in in verse number uh, 22. The Bible says, and they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. Here we see those that were willing-hearted. We see in verse 21 that those that were stirred up, I believe, for excitement. Uh, but here it says, those that were willing-hearted. Those that were willing-hearted, they, they actually took of things that they owned, bracelets and rings, and I believe they brought it like a sacrifice unto the Lord. We've got to be willing to make a sacrifice. These were people that took things that they could call their own, and they gave it towards the work of the Lord. You know, if 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 we're going to have hearts that... Make us willing to serve God. We've got to be ready to sacrifice. 
I love uh, if you study out the, that word sacrifice in the in the New Testament. I, I love Romans twelve one and two. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I I, I love that. Uh, well, first of all, it says living sacrifice. Amen. That's a good thing. <laughs> uh, and and, and uh, one thing that you'll notice in that verse. It's not a command. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's begging us. I'm begging you when you consider the mercies of God. Mercies of God have been written about in Romans 1 through 11. And he says, now now we're getting to the point, and I'm begging you. When you consider all the other things that I've written to you, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Why was he begging us? Why was it not commanded? Because... I think if you if you look at it, uh, to, to sacrifice in this day is to go above what's commanded, to go above and beyond, to go that extra mile, to 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 do more than what's just expected. You see, uh, when we talk about this thing of faith, promise, missions, giving, that's not <laughs> it's not commanded. Hello, it's going to be a sacrifice. You're going to be going above what's commanded. Uh, we're expected to bring a tenth. We're expected to bring an offering. But uh, missions giving, you're going above that. And it's going to be a sacrifice. It's going to be money that you could have used for something else. Uh, I believe the, the, the sacrifice of prayer. We're all expected to pray, obviously, and talk to God. Uh, you'll, you're hard pressed to find a place where we're commanded to fast. Because fasting is a sacrifice. It's going above and beyond. I know, it's not popular to talk about fasting in Baptist churches, amen. Uh, when you got Connecticut pizza that you could eat, amen. But, uh, uh, and the, the, the thing is that maybe I need to go back to point one about getting excited again, alright. But, uh, uh it, it, we're expected to read our Bibles. Right? I think the, the sacrifice of Bible reading is meditation. Taking and making sure that that word gets into your heart and chewing on it and memorizing it and making it a part of your life. Uh, hey, uh, church attendance. We're, we're supp- <laughs> Look, uh, I know pastor has already thanked you for being here. And I would never want to minimize the, the, the effort that it took to get here on a Monday night. But can I help you with something? We're supposed to be here. It takes a sacrifice to get involved. It takes a sacrifice to go and follow up on a new convert or to uh, prepare a lesson or to uh, go and uh, preach in a prison or whatever the case may be. It takes a sacrifice to get involved. And you see that sacrifice, it conditions our heart. And we want hearts that make us willing to serve God. This is the thing, purpose in your heart. It's another action of missions. We need hearts that are ready, that are willing, that are willing to sacrifice to serve God. It's going to take going above and beyond. And then look in verse number 25. Verse number 25, the Bible says, excuse me, and all the women that were wise-hearted, did spin with their hands, and brought that which they had spun, both of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine linen. (laughs) 
we see in verse 21 the, uh, the, the, the stirred up heart for excitement, the willing heart in verse 22, the willing heart for sacrifice. And then verse 25, those that were wise hearted, they took of a skill that they had. Now, maybe these wise hearted women, maybe they didn't have the bracelets and the earrings. Maybe they didn't have the expensive jewelry. But what they did is they took a skill or a gift or a, a, a proficiency that they had and they used that for the Lord. That encourages me because it shows me that everybody's got something they can do for God. Amen. You say, well, I don't even know if I'm going to have uh, the means to raise my faith promise missions giving. And I don't even know if I can do more than I did last year. But there's something you can do for God. There's something you can do for missions. There, there's, some, there's some kind of skill or gift or talent or proficiency that you have. Something that has allowed you to provide for your family all these years. and Something that maybe has made you money in the past. and Something where, where you have a skill, you've got a talent. God has given you that talent and you can use it for God. You say, I don't know what that is. Have you ever asked him? When's the last time we went before God and asked him, God, what can I do for you? I know. <laughs> Look, I know. People get nervous when a missionary to Africa is saying, yeah, just, just volunteer. And everybody gets nervous. Let me help you. I'm not going to come and pack your bags for you tonight, okay? You're not going to have to move tomorrow, all right? I know what that is. I, when I was a teenager in, in a little Sunday school in Long Beach, Mississippi, I, I, I remember hearing my Sunday school teacher tell me, he said, you be careful about surrendering to God. He might send you to Africa. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but can I help you with something? He's got something for you to do right here in Stratford, Connecticut. He's got something for you to do right, right here in White Oak Baptist Church. I got called to preach when I was 15 years old, or at least I believe that that's when I was called to preach. And God had something for me to do at Long Beach High School and at Sharon Baptist Church in little Long Beach on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi. He had something for me to do as a Bible college student at Howes Anderson College for five years. He had something for me to do when I worked at my home church at Faith Baptist Church in Gulfport for two years as I worked for a veteran missionary. It was 12 years before a Nigerian called me pastor in West Africa after I was called to preach. He had something for me to do each of those years. He's got something for you to do right here. So I don't know what that is. When's the last time you asked him? Maybe ask your pastor to pray with you about what you could do for God. And after you pick him up off the floor, as he's been uh, just astounded by the question, amen, uh, he... I guarantee you, you and your pastor praying together, God's going to show you what you can do. But we're afraid of that, aren't we? We are. We're afraid of it. Hey, 18 years in Nigeria. Let me tell you something. God's a good God. He's a good father. He knows how to take care of you. And, and, And he'll lead you every step of the way. Every step of the way. Whatever you you have to do for God, He'll lead you. You see that I could never stand up and 
uh, preach to a congregation or, or teach a class. I'm not talking about that. There's, there's something you can do for God. We've hosted people in Nigeria. All they did was they came out uh, with uh, mechanical skills and they helped us build an auditorium in a village. My wife's favorite guest preacher we had years ago uh, when we were still in a rental house. Her favorite guest preacher was not the best pulpiteer uh, in our church. Her favorite guest preacher was the one that came out, and while he was there, he fixed our washing machine. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Look, I... God can use you, and he'll use you with a skill that I don't have. Look, I am not what you would call mechanically inclined. Amen. Uh, I have... I, I can troubleshoot now. I've been around long enough. I can troubleshoot. But uh, I've tried my hand at electrical work. It, trying your hand at electrical work at 220 voltage is a bad idea. Amen. That stuff will change your life. Amen. I have had voltage going through me, a flash of light. My teeth clenched together <coughs> as as I forgot to put the the uh, changeover on neutral. Amen. Uh, look, I, there there's I usually ruin things that I put my hand to, and there's people that God has brought out to our place who have helped me in ways that I am not proficient. I can preach and teach and organize and administrate. There's plenty of things I cannot do. God can use you. He's got something for you to do. Even if you never preach a sermon or teach a class, hey, the wise heart goes to God and says, God, I know you've gifted me with something. How can I put it to work for you? How can I glorify you in what you've gifted me in? May 14 of 2006, we started Truth Baptist Church in Nyanya Abuja. About two weeks before our grand opening service, I was in our capital city in Abuja. I was with the, the veteran, the missionary that we were working with and uh, going to help them uh, purchase plane tickets. And, and uh, they were about to take a furlough. And while we were there, I saw a, a policeman. It looked like he was uh, like a security guard there in the, in the office. And I went up to him and I gave him uh, one of our invitations to our grand opening service. He started reading it a little bit, and his eyes lit up, and he said, I could walk to this church. And I, I, was, I was hoping he'd say that. Our, our church is right behind the largest police housing in the capital, federal capital territory of Nigeria. We now have six or seven uh, high-ranking police officers that, that come to our church keeps me out of trouble. Amen. And, uh, uh, but we, we, uh, I invited him to that, that first church service. He didn't come to the morning service. He came to the evening service. He went to mass in the morning and he came to our church that evening. Uh, his name is uh, Republic Dakum. Uh, Republic's a big name. Amen. But, uh, uh, he, he, he came. He started coming almost every Sunday night that he could. He had a, a job where he was, uh, basically a, 
uh, a, a security for a politician. And any time that politician traveled, he'd have to be out of town and travel with them. And so there wasn't every Sunday that he could come. But any time that he was in town, I'd try to go and visit him and follow up with him. And, and uh, he, he, he had a ton of questions that he wanted to ask. And uh, he, he, if, I, if I talked with him, he'd say, you know, my, my, my church does it this way or my priest says this. And I'd try to take the Bible and show him the answer. And, and uh, uh, one day I was, I was going by St. Peter and St. Paul Catholic Church. Big, big church uh, in our same area. They've got a huge signboard that has all of their masses and activities and things like that. And I noticed at the top of the signboard on Sunday morning, it said Sunday morning, first mass, 6.30 a.m. And I had an idea. I went to Republic that next week and I said, you know, Republic, if you went to that first mass, you could make it to Sunday school at our place at 9 a.m. And don't worry, it's the only time I've ever encouraged someone to go to mass. Okay, I'm getting somewhere. But, uh, uh, he, and he did it. I mean, the next three weeks, he went to 6.30 mass. He came to our Sunday school at 9 o'clock, morning service 10 o'clock, evening service 5 o'clock. I went to him after a few weeks and I said, I said, Republic, you're wearing yourself out. I said, I think you need to make a decision. I said, where are you learning more? He said, Pastor, my life's been changed at Truth Baptist. I'm seeing things I've never seen before. I said, why won't you join the church? He said, Pastor, if I join the church, do I have to get baptized? I said, what do you think? He said, I think you're about to show me from the Bible. Amen. <laughs> so I took the Bible. I showed him believer's baptism. He had a, he had a clear testimony of salvation. I, and I already knew that from weeks before and just talking to him. And, and uh, that next Sunday, he skipped Mass for the first time. He brought his wife with him for the first time. I had seen her just kind of off in the distance, but never really talked to her. I got to win her to Christ after the morning service. I got to baptize both of them together. I mean, Republic just caught fire. I mean, he, he wanted to get involved so much, but his, his job just took him away so often. I, I was getting him to do announcements here and there and uh, trying to get him involved in some things and maybe taking him out visiting with me or soul winning with me or whatever the case was. But one day he came to me after a morning service and he said, Pastor, he said, come outside with me. I said, and, and, and so after the service, I walked outside and he, he, he brought me to a, a vehicle. A car. It was a Peugeot 505. Uh, any of you that uh, Peugeot is a it's a French vehicle. Yes, I'm convinced that Peugeot is French for garbage. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't really like them. <laughs> and even the one he had, I mean, that thing enjoyed the taste of fuel. It was it was something else. But he he brought me out to that vehicle and he said, Pastor. This was given to me. He said, I, I, I got it for free. He said, one of my bosses changed vehicles. He gave me his old one. He said, Pastor, I want you to pray over it. And we, oh, we had a prayer meeting. We prayed over that vehicle, amen. And, and, uh, and at the end of the prayer, he, he looked up at me and he said, Pastor, I want to use this vehicle 
and, and do something with it. He said, I, I've noticed that you, uh, you take a, a, we had a, we had a projector like this in our church and, uh, I would hook it up every Wednesday and we had started our Bible Institute and, uh, preachers meeting and I, I would show conference DVDs to these preachers and try to, uh, get them accustomed to preaching and invitations and things like that. And he said, I, I, I noticed that you, you show DVDs and you use a laptop and a projector. He says, I want to do that and, and take the Jesus film. And go to villages in this car. He said, I know how to do it. He said, I can load up a generator and, and, and take a laptop and a projector. I mean, he started doing that several times a month. He would take, he, he, he'd stick it. <laughs> he put a generator in the back of that Peugeot uh, sedan and, 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 and uh, projector, take my laptop and, 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 uh, and, and uh, take about five or six Bible college students, stuff them in that sedan, amen, and they'd go to a village. You don't have to go far outside of our capital city to get to villages where they speak only Hausa. And, and uh, he would show the Jesus film, pause at the crucifixion, and preach the gospel. And I mean going to villages where uh, you just show it on the, on the side of a building and sometimes two or three hundred people emptying out a village. To go and watch the Jesus film. And, uh, uh, and, and he did this several times. Now we have eight different men, graduates of our college, that have what we call power packs. Power packs now, you don't have to have a generator. Uh, they, they, everything fits in a backpack where you have a, a portable, now the, now what was that thing is about this small now. And, uh, it, it, it has a portable speaker. Everything is solar powered. You can stick a, a, a solar panel out and recharge the battery, recharge the projector. Everything's on, on a, a, a little memory drive that you stick it in the projector. We've got about 50 languages of the Jesus film, 50 different languages in Nigeria that they've made the Jesus film into. And, and, and you can go to just about any village, uh, throughout Nigeria and show that film. And, uh, uh, now we've got the, 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 the two-sided screen where you project it on one side. You can see it on the other side. No noise of the generator. We've got eight different men that go out every week of the year and show the Jesus film. That started from a police officer that couldn't even come to church every Sunday in an old Peugeot car going out to villages with college students. And he just decided there's got to be something I can do for God. Something. And God showed him exactly what it was. Now, uh, that man, Republic, is one of our deacons. He's been uh, promoted three or four times in the Nigerian police force. He's got an office job in the headquarters. Uh, he goes to the same place every week. And he's at our church every Sunday. And each, uh, each, each uh, promotion that he's gotten, he's been able to stay in Abuja. And it's been wonderful. Uh, uh, Republic now has a, he's got a different ministry. Every morning he goes out to the same bus stop. And he'll look for the biggest city bus that he can find. We've got uh, some buses that are 60 and 80 capacity. <laughs> capacity means nothing in West Africa, by the way. Uh, 80, 80 capacity bus will put 130 people on it. I mean, people almost hanging out the windows, and it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, that, that same place where he goes and catches a bus, uh, eight years ago, a bomb went off. 
blew up five of the buses. And he still kept going out every morning, every morning. And, he, and on the way to church, he'll preach, preach the gospel. Uh, now, our, our country and our city is half Muslim. If you get a Muslim bus driver, sometimes he'll put, he'll put a sign up that says, No preaching, no religious conversation. He doesn't want anything like that on his bus. Republic will get on there, full police uniform, black trousers, black shirt. I mean, all the badges and medallions that he's got from being promoted so many times. The rules don't apply to him. Amen. And nobody stops him from preaching. And uh, he, he gets up there, preaches all the way into work, preaches all the way home. Uh, he loves traffic jams. I mean, uh, and he'll call me often. And his voice is shot, and he's telling me about uh, somebody that got saved on the bus. And uh, it got to where uh, I started printing tracks with his name and his phone number on them. And so, so that he could give them out and people could call him, amen, when they had questions about the church. We'd have people come to the church all the time with one of the tracks in his hand and say, is this a place where a police officer was preaching the gospel? Sometimes tears in their eyes as they, the police officers are known as some of the most corrupt people in our country. And yet they were just sh- shocked that someone was, I mean, doing right and preaching the gospel of righteousness. And, and, and uh, here's Republic and uh, he, he, he gets on those buses every single day, every single day, morning and evening. It all started out with someone who was frustrated that there wasn't anything he could do in the church. But there was something he could do for God. When's the last time you went to God and asked him, what can I do for you? It takes a wise heart to do that. You keep reading in, in, in the passage that we just read. If you go to the next chapter, uh, Moses actually had to send out men to the congregation of Israel and tell them, stop giving. I don't know if that's ever happened here. Don't worry, I've never done it either. Amen. But he basically had to send out the ushers and tell people to stop giving. The wording that was used was the stuff they had was sufficient and more than enough. Can I help you with something? The the stuff in this crowd, to use the Bible word, is sufficient to change this area for Christ. To make an impact in Stratford, Connecticut and beyond. But it starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. Purpose in your heart. How's your heart tonight? Are you getting stirred up about the right things? Are you ready to sacrifice? You have that wise heart that's ready to go to God and say, God, what can I do for you? Would you bow your heads, please? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'd love for us just to take a few moments. Maybe it's been a while since you've gone, gone to God and said, God, there's got to be something. You've gifted me. You've given me a talent. You've given me a, a skill, a proficiency. Lord, how can I use it for you? Lord, uh, uh, make me ready to 
sacrifice. Help me to be stirred up about the right things. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's stand together. Everyone standing. Everyone standing. Oh, don't leave here tonight without making sure that your heart is ready for this thing of being willing to serve God. My heart made me do it. My heart made me willing. That's exactly what the Israelites were saying that night.